to the Remarkable Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Deidre Shen, founder and CEO of Capshow, software that helps entrepreneurs turn their stories into content that converts. Now, we believe that every entrepreneur who has had to overcome their own internal struggles is remarkable. And it is this exact remarkability that needs to be shared so that they can positively impact the world. So stick around to the end of the show. We will reveal how you can be our next guest in 20 or 25 minutes. So let's go. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Remarkable Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm so excited about today's guest. I'm going to be speaking to Steve Werner from Reaching Millions. Now, talk about a small world because I think that Steve uh, booked in this interview weeks and weeks and weeks ago. And without knowing, we actually met each other a couple of weeks ago in Mexico. Uh, we were both at a mastermind completely like and so talk, that's why I say talk about a small world right like how, when does that happen where we meet each other and then afterwards I'm like oh Steve I'm actually speaking to you for my podcast how cool is that I mean that was awesome the uh <laughs> yeah it is it is a small world I mean the the fact that we were both like halfway, well, not halfway around the world, but we were a long way, a long way from home um, and ended up sitting at a table next to each other and chatting and then being like, I think I am on your podcast. Um, so cool. it, it's small world for it sure. Is. All right. Awesome. So I am so keen because I know a little bit about what you do, uh, which is so super cool, but I want you to tell my audience about what it is that you do. And then we're going to jump into how you got there because I bet you have the most fascinating story. So first of all, what is Reaching Millions? What do you do? Sure. So the really short answer is I help people get higher converting webinars, workshops, and live events. Um, I use public speaking as a conversion tool. Um, I think it is like I'm very big on authenticity, transparency, and real connection. Mm -hmm. uh, most of what I I sell and most of what I recommend people sell are $2,000 and up. Uh, in order to make a business, you really need to be selling at that price point. A lot of people, you know, you hear the tiny offers and you hear smaller things. When I first got started, that's what I started with. You have to sell a whole lot of $29 items to make ends meet. And like, if you can serve people at a higher level. I'm not telling you to just go out and sell high ticket because you should sell high ticket. That's not the, that's not my angle at all. My angle is if you have a good product or service, public speaking is a huge amplifier. I know a lot of people say, you know, I want to do a funnel or I want to do, I want to hide behind something that is online that is super scalable. That's great. That might be a great fit. But if you look at, especially coaches and consultants, the real money is made at the top of the pyramid, which is you do a challenge to a webinar. And then on the webinar, you sell a course. The course comes with a ticket to a live event. You also sell tickets to the live event or virtual event during COVID. And that's really where the top of the pyramid gets built, right? You're selling a higher ticket coaching, but all of that flows together. And the, the real secret, the real secret to my sauce or the real secret sauce <laughs> I like that though, the real secret to my sauce. <laughs> Storytelling. Oh, I love this. Okay, because that is completely, I mean, to be honest, that's the reason why I started this podcast because I wanted entrepreneurs who are remarkable in an 
of their own in their own right. Like every single entrepreneur I speak to, I'm blown away with like their story, their journey. But a lot of times, storytelling does not come as naturally to them, right? Um, and so that's why I, I love the fact that your your secret to your source, <laughs> your secret source, <laughs> is storytelling. Um, but before we get into that, I do want to. Uh, Go all the way back because uh, I am so fascinated about your journey and, and how you got to this point. So where did you start and what what prompted you to get into entrepreneurship? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, if we go all the way back, the very first thing I was, my parents had gotten divorced. My parents got divorced when I was six. Oh, my goodness. Not a sob story. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> two years later, I think it was about two years later, um, probably 1986, 1987. If that's older than you are, bear with me, you'll understand. Uh, Michael Jordan was just becoming the superstar that he is. He just released Air Jordans. Like all of that world was going on. And this is before internet or anything, but the we were at the local mall and I was getting school shoes and I wanted a pair of Jordans. That was like the hot thing. And I remember them being a hundred dollars. I don't know if that's true. I can't prove it, but I remember them being a hundred dollars. And I remember my mom, like I threw it, we went to the finish line. If you don't remember like a mall, you walk around, it smells kind of funny finish line. It's got all the shoes, like walls of shoes. Right. And I find the Jordans and my mom is like, there is no way I'm spending a hundred dollars. You can have these over here. And they were still Nike air, but they were, they were like 60 bucks or 50 bucks or something. Right. And I was like, they were not, they were not Jordans. No. And so I proceeded to throw a fit like full on, like, you don't love me. You must hate me. Like screaming. I remember my mom sitting me down on the, like the bench, right? The wire metal bench. And she was like, look, we do not have money to spend a hundred dollars on shoes. If you want those, you need to go get a job thinking that would be the end of it. Well, I went home really excited and I went and got the lawnmower and I just started banging on doors, like up and down the block. And by the next day I had enough to go buy the shoes and I rode my bike to the mall and bought the shoes and came home with them. And my mom asked, she said, well, where did you get those? I said, I, I went and got a job. And then my mom, like my mom didn't know what to do um, because that started like, I started mowing everyone's yard. Like I just started all the time because I was like, I want more money. Like yeah. I want to be able to do whatever I want. Right. Um, and what were you charging back then? I'm so curious. I, about this. I don't know if I have a good answer. I legitimately <laughs> think I said like $5 or whatever you want to pay me. I like, I didn't, I didn't have much of a plan. I'm a very big action taker, which I think, a lot of entrepreneurs who are successful, you just go do things and you figure it out, right? What ended up happening? So my mom, my mom was like, "Well, you're using my gas. Like, you need to go buy gas." So I would walk to. The, we had a gas station like three blocks from the house. I would walk there, and I I started with our single gas can, and then I went and bought a bigger gas can, and then I bought a bigger gas can. Mm-hmm. So I go get gas, and on after. So I was a latchkey kid, another aged term, which means that I would get home before my mom. So I would get home. I was in like fourth grade, right? Third, fourth, fifth grade. And I would just grab the lawnmower and I'd go out. I'd rake leaves in the fall. And I like, I'm pretty friendly and outgoing. Um, I guess I always kind of have been, but the, 
yeah, I just started building it. So I don't know what I was charging. Um, wow. Yeah. The, it, it led to my mom is introverted, shy, and she, she's very devout, like Christian conservative. And she was a little bit mortified. Like, I, this is what I remember who like, right. Age time, time, like makes everything fuzzy, but I know that she was like that. And she, I think she was like, what am I doing? Like, how did I create this? Cause I had paper routes. Like I was wow. just hustling. Yeah, right. You got, yeah. you were, Those, those Jordans were like the catalyst for <laughs> you really wanted this thing. <laughs> and then you couldn't stop. Right. Well, the, I mean, I started because what I saw and my, to be clear, like we weren't, I wouldn't say we were poor, we were middle class, maybe lower middle class, single parent. Mm-hmm. I always had everything I needed. Mm-hmm. But what clicked for me in that instant, because I had heard my mom before say, we're not going to spend money on that or money doesn't grow on trees. And the answer that like crystallized in that moment and that experience was, if you if you want it, you, all you have to go is go do stuff. Mm. And that's, I mean, that was like the foundation of it. But then we did, I mean, I don't know if you, in school over here, you would go knock on doors and you would sell candy bars or you do fundraisers. Mm -hmm. Well, I always won all of them because by the time we got to that place, I wasn't scared to knock on doors. Yeah. And so I, I won those contests. Then this is like my favorite story. The, uh, you guys remember those books? They're like this thick and they have like 5,000 coupons in them. I don't know if you had them in Australia, but the, like, so our church, I I was probably 12, 11 or 12. And our youth group, our youth pastor said, okay, so we're going to go sell these coupon books. We paid $10 for them. You're going to go sell them for $20. And we're all going to go to church camp. Like we're going to fund church camp with it. Mm -hmm. And my, my reaction was, well, I'm going to go sell mine for $40 and I'm going to make 20 bucks. Wow. And I sold 400, like over 400 of them. What? I, I, well, I went around and knocked on doors and I said, Hey, we're doing a fundraiser for our church. These coupon books will save you. Like on the cover, it said like <laughs> $1,500 worth of savings or something. I was okay. like, it says it saves $1,500 worth. And like, I'm a little kid that was awkward and outgoing all at the same time. So Mm -hmm. I sold a lot. Well, what happened, somebody in my church bought one from me. And then somebody else, of course, was like, tried to sell her one. She said, well, why is yours 20 and mine was 40? So this got back to the church. And then I got called in and my mom is mortified that I would do this. And we sat there having this discussion. Um, My youth pastor's name was Greg Sharps. And he was sitting there and he was like, so you sold yours for $40. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I like, this is very romanticized in my head, but <laughs> like, well, why? And I said, because I wanted to make money. And he was like, but, but we told you they were 20. And I was like, you said we paid $10 and we're selling them for 20 so that we can pay for church camp. I said, I just told people they were $40. <laughs> like, I don't, that's markup. And they did not like, they made me, they were like, you have to go back and refund everybody. And I was like, I argued, I was like, no, 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 no. And my mom of (laughs) course was like, yes, yes, yes. So 
I did go back and ask for refunds. Um, but what I did was I just told this entire story to the people. And I said, so I'm here to refund your $20 or I'm here to give you back your $20 or, you know, however, and most of them just said, keep it. Like they just thought it was a great story. I mean, some of them of course kept it, but you know, like the, it, it worked out really well. Um, the, (laughs) this is moving forward with the story you asked, this is like way off the rails, but the, by the time I was six, like I was 15, I bought my first car, um, in cash. Um, I had several cars in high school that I paid cash for, um, the, anything I want, I went to college, I had cash in the bank. Um, I also worked, I worked as a waiter in high school, um, did really well. I sold Cutco knives, did really well. So all of that, that, that has nothing to do with how I got to, (laughs) how I got to live events, but that's, that's the. That's where that's the entrepreneurship started. Yeah. I mean, I love hearing those because I it's such a different path that I ever took. I mean, first migrant Asian, you know, I had to, it was all about academics and it was all, you know, it was such a different path. So I'm always so fascinated with these stories when you're like at such a young age, you yourself took this initiative to just like go get it. Uh, whereas I like, I don't know, I don't even think that that ever crossed my mind to go do. That's the that's the crazy thing. So we all get to this point in different ways, but I love that that foundation that just like, yep, I'm just gonna go do it and I'm just gonna knock these doors and you know it just, just doesn't matter. And yeah, there's this thing called bar cup. Have you not heard about it, church? Like <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna capitalize on that. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so let's speak, let's let's sorry, did you have any more to add to that? No, I mean that <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. The it it just like it taught me at a young age, like if you want something, I've, I guess I would always say that I've been somewhat optimistic. My mom, my mom is definitely like a positive person. She's positive. My dad too, but both of them were go to college, get a real job. Like they had never heard of entrepreneurship, nor would they recommend it. My take though, was that if you, neither of them I want to be really clear about this, not, not knowingly, but neither of them were like the kind of person who said like, you can go do whatever you want, but somehow at a young age, I heard that somewhere and it, I believed it. And I think that like freed up that energy because that was, that's an ongoing theme in my life. Um, I don't know if we'll get to it here, but the, I started a business in college and my college professors told me, I, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, mm-hmm. intro, like the intro to entrepreneurship. The next, like the next week I got fired from my job as a bartender um, at an Applebee's. And my answer to that was, I'm going to go start a business. So I started a business and I started buying real estate as a junior in college. I had my favorite professor read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and he, his answer verbatim was, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. If, if it worked, he was like, that just doesn't work. I'm just trying to be really honest and protect you. A year later, I had $2 million worth of real estate and a thriving business as a college senior. And he was like, I don't know how you did it, but I want to know. And he's now retired because he bought real estate. Right. And I, I mean, I didn't do anything magical. 
I went and bought property, the cash float. But the anyway, back to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is so fascinating. Okay, so you started a business in college. Can you share with us what that was? Because I'm sure that that was that's has a part to play in your journey to where you are now. I mean, the I'll, I'll give you the short version in the interest of time. Yeah. Um, I, I, it was 2003. I Googled best businesses to start from home or some version of that. And it came up with being a house cleaner. And I was like, okay, I'll go clean houses. Oh. So I went around to all my college professors. I hung flyers and I went out door knocking. I got a few houses, but what happened in that process was one of my professors was on a church board. And he said, we need somebody to clean our church. Well, the church paid me $500 a week, whereas houses were paying me $50 per cleaning. So I saw really quickly, let's do churches. I had to get bonded. I had to get insured, but I went around to all the churches and I got three churches. So that's $1,500 a week. I hired three college friends under the table. And the great thing was that we could go in at any time we wanted. So we would usually go at 10 o'clock at night. If, do you remember, do you like the white stripes? Do you know who the white stripes are? Oh, uh, the band? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So the white stripes were really big. I was an art major too, which has nothing to do with business or anything. But the, <laughs> we were really big. Like white stripes had just come out. We would go into the churches and put that on their sound system at 10 o'clock at night. And we'd spend three hours cleaning. But doing the churches, that was 1500 And then from that, I got some banks. Um, we got a lot of commercial cleaning. Um, and then from that, I bought real estate cause I started accumulating cash and following rich dad's template. I went and started buying real estate. The, what happened four years later, I was so burned out on both cleaning and real estate that I sold everything. I traveled for about a year and a half. I ended up in Chicago. Um, and I ended up back in restaurants cause I was like, we went to, we went to eat. See all these stories. Um, we went to eat at a steakhouse and we were sitting at the bar having a dinner. Um, and the, the manager was behind the bar bartending. He was complaining nonstop. And I said, well, what happened? And he was like, ah, oh, the bartender didn't show up. He was Irish. His name was Matty Moore. Um, you can, he talks just like that. Like, oh, my bartender didn't show up and blah, 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 blah. I said, well, if you need a bartender one night a week, like I'm going to be here for two months. I was like, I can come in one night. And he like looked at me. He's like, you actually going to show up? I was like, yeah. He said, all right, buy a tuxedo, show up tomorrow. Um, funny, funny side note. I showed up the next day in a tuxedo and he didn't remember hiring me because he oh. was out drunk. Oh, no. But he gave me a job because he was like, if you're just going to go buy a tuxedo, he was <laughs> like, you're in. Well, I ended up managing that place. And then a year later, um, I got. I managed a Michelin three-star restaurant in the city. Um, I was a maitre d', not manager, like a dining room manager. But they were all about building the customer experience, mm -hmm. which that's a big thing to me. Um, then Vail ended up headhunting me, so I moved to Vail, Colorado. We're tying all the pieces together. Um, in Vail, <laughs> Vail's like the most beautiful place in the world. Um, travel is important to me. Authenticity is important to me. Um, but I woke up in Vail and I was like, how did I get here? This wasn't my plan. I was supposed to do another business. Mm -hmm. 
Have you ever started one business? I know the answer to this question for you, but have <laughs> you ever started a business and you're like, okay, I want to do something else? All or- the time. All the time. <laughs> you're talking to, uh, um, you know, a, an entrepreneur, ADHD, like I just can't. Yes. So, yes, all the time. All <laughs> the I'm time. Sure that, I'm sure they have a lot of listeners who are in the same boat. So, yes. Well, the, I mean, looking at it now, like this seems like a, I'm painting a painting, but the, in Chicago, I landed in Chicago. I was visiting my college roommate. I had journals of business ideas, like comp- composition books of business ideas. I was like the next business I do, cause I had seed money from selling everything. I was like the, the business that I do needs to be the right business. So I was spending all this time and mm-hmm. instead I ended up managing restaurants. I started off as an employee one day a week and within a year was managing it because I, we can't just like be an employee. Right. Yeah. So ended up doing that. And then I woke up in Vail. The great thing about working for Vail is you get three months off a year. So I got to travel. I got to live in the most beautiful place in the world. And I got to run a really high-end restaurant that their main goal was not to make money. It was to provide a superior customer experience. Mm -hmm. It was a wine and dine type restaurant. Like they wanted all the VIPs that came out there skiing to have the meal of the year. Like, that's what we used to call it. Like they wanted to have their best meal, most memorable at this restaurant. And they were like, we don't care if we make money. We care if they have that memory. And that's a hard place to leave, right? Like you got it pretty good. It's Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, you're exactly right. The um, So I woke up, I went to see Tony Robbins. Have you ever seen Tony Robbins? Yes. Okay. Well, so- Mostly virtual, but, you know, I did see him live at Funnel Hacking Live last year, of course. So, okay. Um, so, yeah. Top, top five things in my life was going to date with Destiny. I mm-hmm. highly recommend you go. That wasn't what I went to in 2013. Um, I went to UPW mm-hmm. and I was like, how did he does like a whole goal setting workshop and you do what's called the Dickens, which is, you know, the story of Charles Dickens, like future pacing and looking back at your life. How did you get to where you are and where do you want to go? But where are you headed? What mm-hmm. changes do you need to make? And you spend all day on this. And I was like, how did, like, I don't hate my life. I definitely didn't hate it. I, I liked my life quite a bit, but I was in the top point two percent of restaurant managers. Like I was making over six figures a year. I was pretty much at the ceiling of what I was going to make. I had several hundred employees under me, but I wasn't going to make any more. Maybe if I went and opened a restaurant, but that's not the easiest way to make money. And it's a lot of hours. Like, I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. Exactly. Yes. So I'm at Tony Robbins and he's like, you know what, where do you really want to go? And I'd been thinking about it for a while. And it was one of the things that was written in those original, I had three composition notebooks from when I was traveling earlier. And one of them was either be a public speaker, be a motivational speaker or hold live events. And I didn't really know what it looked like, but I was like, okay, I'm going to go do this. Like I still have some money in savings. Um, I'm going to go do it because I'm not getting any younger. And if there's a time to do it, it's now. Mm-hmm. So I went back. Um, this was in... This was going into the 2013 ski season at the end of the season, which is April. 
Um, I had spent time during the ski season researching and putting together an event. The event was scheduled like I, I didn't have it all together. I moved to Las Vegas right after the ski season. I gave my notice. They knew I was leaving and we left on good terms. Um, and I moved to Las Vegas with the idea of holding an event and I had speakers lined up. I signed, I signed for a space that held 2000 people thinking like, I'm just going to blow this out of the water. Well, I, the short story, I spent $35,000 on everything and got, I had two people register for the event. Um, it was, I tell a much longer version of the story, but I won't tell it here. The just grant, like, you know, like I moved there and I had 35 grand in the bank and I was like, this should last me for like a year. I don't have any expenses. I don't have any debt. I'm living reasonably. Well then like this was 2014 and I knew nothing about marketing. So I need a website. I need ads. I need a logo. I need this. I like, I just started throwing money at things because I thought, well, it, it'll solve it. And I, somehow in my brain, I kept hearing the like field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> you build it, they will come. And I was like, I'm building the best event in the world. But yeah. I didn't understand like outcomes or direct, like any kind of direct marketing. I, I wish I could find the website that we put together because it had to be horrible. <laughs> um, it had to be. I bet I couldn't. I've looked on the Wayback Machine. And I wasn't able to find it, but it was bad. Two people registered. I ended up having to fight my way out of the contract with Treasure Island. Um, They kept my deposit. I had no money. I had friends in Las Vegas that allowed me to move into their utility room. Um, When I tell the story from stage, I have the picture of the utility room, like hot water tank, the whole thing. Um, they were really nice though. They said, cause they, they sat me down and this is, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. They sat me down in the bar after I finished closing out with treasure Island, we were in treasure Island still at the frog bar and we could hear the slot machines, like the ching, 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 and people yelling. And they were like, what do you want to do? And they, they're successful tech entrepreneurs. They've had some exits. They said, you know, what do you want to do? And at the time, I had two offers from headhunting companies to go back into restaurants. Mm-hmm. Both of them, one of them was a $90,000 a year job with a $30,000 sign-on bonus, including moving. They would pay for me to move. When you're broke, that's a... Sorry, seductive. Right? Like that's like, <laughs> that's like, that's like the best pair of golden handcuffs you've ever seen. Totally. Um, but they asked, they said, what do you want to do? And they didn't answer for me, but they did ask some good questions. I don't remember that whole conversation, but I remember they, at the end of the conversation, they said, look, we believe in you. You're smart. They had known like a lot of the stuff that I've done over the years. And they said, we will allow you to live with us. We don't want any money from you. As long as you spend at least six hours a day working on whatever your business is. No playing video games, no watching TV. I don't do much of that anyway, but they were like, if we're going to cover you, we don't want you just like sitting around eating popcorn. Like you have to be doing something. And they, they knew that I would. So 
once I moved in, I started going to the library and I literally in a six month period, probably read 50 books on marketing. Um, inside of that, I listened to a Dan Kennedy cassette tape program. If you don't know who Dan Kennedy is, he's the godfather of direct marketing. Uh, you pretty much trace everybody back to him. Um, we were headed to an all you can eat sushi restaurant and I didn't have a tape player at home, but I did have one in my 2001 Toyota. Um, and thank God it worked. So I, I grabbed these tapes. And I was like, I don't know. I guess I'll put one in. We'll see if there's anything good on it. And I got to the restaurant and the tape was so good that I stayed in the car to finish listening to it. And then I stopped on the way home at a thrift store to buy a tape player. That cassette tape program and the things that it taught me allowed me to hold a supposed to be a 50 person event that turned into an 80 person event that made me about 90, $9,500, um, 94, 95. Mm -hmm. Um, and that got my events business started in 2014. Um, and then went on to join Dan Kennedy's program, uh, joined Joe Polish and the genius networks. I worked with Brian Dice a little bit. Um, that led to working for ClickFunnels. Uh, I worked as a consultant for ClickFunnels. I went around the country selling from stage for them. So 2000, 2014 till COVID, we held, I held more than 40 of my own events and 22 client events. So a total of 62 events wow. um, with about 15 million in sales from stage. These are smaller events. These aren't super crazy. We did hold one that was 750 people. Uh, there was no sale. Um, there was a very soft, soft pitch sale and a low ticket sale. There was not a high ticket sale at that event. Um, all the rest of the events though, were 50 to 150 people. Um, so that they could be manageable. And then, yeah, the prior to COVID two years prior to COVID, we started just focusing on client events, teaching them how to sell from stage. So the really sexy, like everyone's like, I want to be Tony Robbins, right? Like the, yeah. go back on stage. And, <laughs> but when you get down to brass tacks, I say like, look, we can help you put people in the room, but the real key is how do you story arc the event to lead towards the conversion? And this goes back to where we started this whole conversation. The key to conversion is stories, telling stories. And unfortunately, like entrepreneurs, people that are speaking, especially, and people who are marketing think that it is all about, I'm going to tell them how to do everything. I'm going to teach, teach, teach. And they think that that will work to get sales. But what really works is agitating a pain point, showing that you have solved it, and then offering to help them to solve it. So what we do with people, the, the nuts and bolts, we look at the offer that you're going to make all the way at the end, right? So if it's a high ticket offer that you're selling at a live event, it's going to be like a 25 to 50K mastermind, most likely. What is the offer? Outline the seven to 10 pieces in that offer. Then look at what pain point that solves and what emotion surrounds that pain point. Then you want to build the stories from your own life and from your clients' lives, your best clients, to use both in the event, in the webinar, in the challenge, and in all of your marketing for nine months prior. We build all of that out and we teach you how to tell the stories from stage. Speaking from stage, if you learn it and you learn it well, nothing has more power to grow your business because it's authentic. Every time I speak, 
I have people who come up to me afterwards wanting to know how we can work together, how we can do stuff. That's really at the end of the day, like if you're selling something that is mid to high ticket, the best way to get clients. They, I know it's not everyone's favorite. You have to fly somewhere. You have to stay in a hotel. You have to speak. COVID's made a little bit easier with Zoom, but that's there's a lot in there. <laughs> there was, and I'm like, we are already out of time, but I do want to ask, I mean, there's so many questions I want to ask you, but I am mindful of time. Um, where Where is your business headed now? Like you've kind of brought us up to speed to what you do now. So where do you see yourself investing for growth over the next year? Sure. So the... In the last 18 months during COVID, we've helped 33 people either fix their webinar or build their webinar from scratch. Um, we've done about five and a half million cumulatively in sales. Um, moving forward, live events are coming back quite a bit. Um, what we're doing inside the business, the model is shifting just a little bit. We're not working with anyone from scratch anymore. We're working with people that have existing challenges and webinars and maybe not a live event yet, or maybe they have the live event. And we're we're crafting that whole strategy that we just talked about. Um, my goal overall, like I have two goals. The first one is I quality over quantity is much more important to me. So I work with a handful of people a year. 32 people over the last 18 months is a lot for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to work with five or six people a year and really dive deep in their business because there's a lot that we can do to increase conversion. Um, the short version is everybody wants to focus on new client acquisition. Once you have the client, there are so many things you can do to up the client value and get referrals, which are so much easier and so much more cost-effective. And that's stuff that we look at inside the business. Um, so I'm basically offering like a fractional CMO or director of marketing um, to the companies that I work with. And that's, that's it. Um, Love that. So, so valuable. Wow. Okay. We are out of time and this has been an amazing chat. Like I've just, as I said, we could probably talk all day. (laughs) You have such fascinating stories. I love what you're doing. Um, If people are interested in seeing what you have to offer, where is the best place for them to go? Sure. So if you go to steven.coffee, S-T-E-V-E-N dot C-O-F-F-E-E, that will take you to a calendar chat. It's a 20 minute chat. You can learn about what I do, how we would work together in your business. Um, if you just want help with your webinars, I would say go to death to badwebinars.com. That's my lead magnet. It's a free course. Um, it's five videos and five worksheets to walk you through how to use story selling in your webinar to increase conversion. Love it. All right, you guys. Well, we will definitely be putting those in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us, Steve. Like this has been, I have learned so much from you just in this one almost 40 minute chat. (laughs) And I'm sure that we're going to have a ton of people who will want to reach out to you. Uh, So for everyone else listening, please do go and visit those links that uh, Steve mentioned. We'll definitely be putting those in the show notes. Thanks for joining us on this episode. If you loved it, please leave us a review, leave us a rating, follow us, share it with all of your friends, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.
Shen here. Thank you so much for listening to the Remarkable Entrepreneur Podcast. Now, if you are a successful online entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, then please visit go.theremarkableentrepreneurpodcast.com slash podcast dash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you please share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials and tag me. I'm at Deidre Shen. And if you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media as well and let them know about the show. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. Now, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, reviews go a long, long way to help promote the show. And it means a lot to me and my team. And if you want to know more, go to our website, djshen.com. Follow me on LinkedIn, on Facebook. My Facebook group is actually called The Remarkable Entrepreneur. Uh, Follow me on Instagram at Deidre Shen. Thanks so much for listening and we will see you next time.